We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast, and of course, make sure to subscribe if you have not already. I could not be more excited about today's episode because I really want to go over this topic because I think it's really important to go over prior to the NFL draft. There are a lot of tight ends that a lot of people are very excited about and think that Green Bay could possibly select in the first round. In fact, the last three episodes that I've done here on the Packaday podcast have highlighted four of those tight ends, including Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, and Michael Mayer. So I've just gone over the four top tight ends, at least in most people's boards, the top four tight ends in this draft, and the players that could potentially be in consideration at that position in the first round. And maybe, just maybe, Green Bay would consider them. And like I said, I know some people are hoping that some of these tight ends may end up in Green Bay in round one and are totally okay with that. And I'm here to tell you, you probably should not be hoping that. Now, I want to say a couple things. A, we're very well versed at this point of like, hey, don't take running backs in round one. That is probably a bad idea. There's always exceptions to the rule. Maybe there shouldn't be, but we're well versed in that. I think it's time to start getting to the point of, hey, 
Don't take tight ends in round one either. It is also a very bad idea, and today is going to be detailing why. Now, a couple things, as I mentioned. The first is that, and I want to reiterate this, I very much do like the top tight ends in this class. The top four, and even you know Sam Laporta, wherever you want to put him in the group, I might get a full breakdown on him at some point as well. Like I really enjoy the top tight ends in this class and go back and listen to the last three episodes where I detail the full scouting report for the top four guys. And there is a lot to like about these players. So this is not a referendum on those specific players. I think all of them can be really, really good, but that isn't necessarily the point as we go over this today. Additionally, Green Bay really, really, really needs a tight end. Jordan Love really, really needs a tight end. The Packers red zone offense really, really needs a red zone threat. Tight end, goes without saying, is a massive need for this team. It's a very interesting draft, meaning this is not as strong of a draft as I would normally, you know, sort of grade out the entirety of a like a potential first round, meaning that you could get to a point where, you know what? It's just not that deep of a draft, so we're just going to take best player available, and that could potentially be a, a tight end. There, there's a there's a world in which that scenario exists. So at some point, you just have to put everything together. You know, go over the risk, the reward, the players, the scouting reports, and everything, and just take the best player on your board. And it's possible, especially in this draft where some of the better players do seem to kind of be tight ends, that that could ultimately just happen based on the draft, how it takes place, which players come off the board, and who's ultimately left. So sometimes that can just happen. And I'll say it one more time. I do really like the tight ends in this class. So it is nothing against them. And if you like them, I get it. I understand why there's a lot to like about this group. Additionally, one other thing I will say here is that if you can find, if you can find that needle in the haystack, if you can find the Travis Kelsey, if you can find the Gronk to a maybe slightly lesser extent, if you can find the George Kittle Those are potentially franchise-altering players who are going to change the state of your franchise, who are going to change the state of your offense at minimum, and are going to give you so much of a better chance to be a high-end team because it is so hard to find those players, and they are matchup nightmares for teams. I don't need to tell you the importance of Gronk with Tom Brady. Now, clearly, a part of Gronk's success was also due to Tom Brady. A part of Kelsey's success was also due to Patrick Mahomes. We can't say the same thing for George Kittle uh, with the quarterbacks that he has had, but part of that has been the play of those quarterbacks. But a part, a huge part of those quarterback successes has also been Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, and clearly George Kittle has been a huge part of that San Francisco Kyle Shanahan offense that's been very successful, even though they haven't won, you know, that elusive Super Bowl as of late. So it is, if you can find them, by all means, if you take a tight end and you get it right and you get that type of player, bravo, because that can be, like I said, a franchise altering move. So if you can get them, by all means do it, but just know it is very, very hard to find those players. And note, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, none of them happen to be former first round picks. They were all taken later in the draft. We could go Antonio Gates. We could go We could go through a lot of tight ends, Shannon Sharp, and the vast majority of them were not, the top tight ends were not first round picks. One of the few that was, was actually Tony Gonzalez, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to be going over the more recent tight ends and the more recent tight end drafting history. Now, going back all the way to the wonderful Bubba Franks when he was drafted by Green Bay. There have been 24 
24 first round tight ends. And I want to read those 24 first round tight ends to you right now, which is always great podcast material, but I'm going to do it nonetheless because I think it's important. Kyle Pitts, the most recent one, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Hayden Hurst, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, Eric Ebron, Tyler Eifert, Jermaine Gresham, Brandon Pettigrew, Dustin Keller, Mercedes Lewis, Vernon Davis, Heath Miller, Ben Watson, Kellen Winslow Jr., Dallas Clark, Daniel Graham, Jeremy Shockey, Jeremy Stevens, Todd Heap, Anthony Becht, and then Bubba Franks. Those were the last 24 first round tight ends. Maybe those didn't exactly jump off the page to you. Certainly some good ones in there. Dallas Clark comes to mind immediately. Jeremy Shockey had some really good seasons. That being said, those 24 first round tight ends, I'm not just cherry picking these. These are the last 24 first round tight ends going back to Bubba Franks. The 24 first round tight ends have 24 combined Pro Bowl selections. And it should be worth noting here that when you are a first round pick, specifically at a position like this, a lot of times you get a little bit extra Pro Bowl favor. You, you know, fans and teams know you a little bit more. You get a little bit more, um, again, just you get more favor when players, teams, coaches, are and fans specifically are voting for the Pro Bowl. So that can affect those sort of things very much. And of all 24, you have 24 Pro Bowl selections. Throw that away. By the way, Jeremy Shockey of all of them led the way with four Pro Bowl selections. All right. So four total was the, the highest with Jeremy Shockey. Bubba Franks, by the way, had three of them. You may not have expected that, but he had three of the 24 Pro Bowl selections, which just goes to show you Bubba Franks, nice player, but not exactly a high, uh, you know, high-end tight end player that brought you know tons of value to Green Bay. Nice player, but that, that was like one of the better tight end selections of the past 24 first round picks. Meanwhile, the bigger one that I want to say here, two, two combined all pro selections from these 24 first round tight ends. The last 20, let me say that one more time. The last 24 first round tight ends, the tight ends drafted in the first round have a combined two all pro selections. And that is Dallas Clark with one and Jeremy Shockey with one. And that was a while back, by the way, if we're going back to Dallas Clark and Jeremy Shockey. So if you're looking for high-end contributors at the tight end position, the first round of the draft has not been where you have ultimately found those players. Just for fun comparison's sake, it has nothing to do with the player or the position or anything, but just for funsies, Micah Parsons, in his last two seasons has two All-Pro selections. The last 24 first-round tight ends combined have two All-Pro selections. So it has not been exactly a treasure trove of success when you have taken a first-round tight end. And like I said, like read through those names. And we don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Pitts yet. That's fair to say. TJ Hawkinson may have a rebirth in Minnesota, and he could be a very good tight end for them. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. But Overall, like if, if Dallas Clark and Jeremy Shockey are your two best examples out of those 24 tight ends, Todd Heap had a nice career in Baltimore, but he wasn't exactly like this massive game changer. Like that's just not good enough. Teams have not done a good job identifying tight ends, college tight ends that can come in and be high end players in the NFL. And let me be very, very clear. 
If you are taking a player in the first round of the draft, that is your time to go big game hunting. You can find good players at a variety of different layers of the draft, even in sometimes undrafted free agency. You can find replacement level players. In your first round, you better be going big game hunting. That's something that Green Bay has done a fairly good job at, especially in the Brian Gutekunst era. Jair Alexander, premium position, went big game hunting, hit pretty darn big with that pick. Rashawn Gary, you can say the same thing. Jordan Love, undetermined, but they went big game hunting with that pick. You can hate the pick. I understand why at that time you may have hated that pick, but he went big game hunting, high risk, high reward. All right, you can go you know, further on and Eric Stokes, first round pick, premium position, went big game hunting there. And then this past year, you can argue Quay Walker wasn't a premium position, so maybe not quite as much, but certainly Devontae Wyatt, you know, high-end athleticism, Georgia SEC school, premium position. Like you look at what they look at, they go generally big game hunting. And so far over the last almost 25 years, those tight ends have not paid off those dividends. It has not been a position to go big game hunting with. And I will add on to that of those 24, and again, maybe Hawkinson or or Pitts can get into this conversation. So I wouldn't eliminate them totally yet. Every other one I would only like only two all pros, but more importantly, like no hall of fame caliber players. So you're not, you haven't been getting these high, high end players that are going to be your franchise altering players. So that has been a pretty big indictment over the recent stages of first round tight ends. It just hasn't gone very, very well. Additionally, if you're looking for, all right, you know what? Pro Bowls, all pros, et cetera, that stuff's great, but you know what? Just go out and get a really good tight end. Like get a guy that's going to help you for a decade. That that shouldn't be that hard, right? Of the last eight first round tight ends, and again, uh, Kyle Pitts here could maybe be a second one here, but of the last eight first round tight ends, only, only David Njoku has made it with the same team past five years. You might say, well, some of those guys haven't had a chance. Well, that's not true. Hayden Hurst, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, those guys have been traded and have moved on already. So the only player in the last uh, of the last eight tight ends, the last eight first round tight ends, besides David Njoku, who could make it past five years, is Kyle Pitts. It has not been a recent position where players have stayed with their current team. And a large part of that is because the learning curve at the tight end position. When you're drafting a first round tight end or just any tight end, there usually is a very steep learning curve at that position. The reason being is you have to know how to like learn to be a route runner, almost like a wide receiver. You have to learn how to release off the line of scrimmage. You have to learn how to, um, you, you know, just the nuances of route running, expand your route tree. You have to like all of it, all of it matters. How to use leverage, how to use your eyes, how to use your hands, like just everything. The same thing wide receivers do. And at the same token, if you're an inline tight end, now, if you're just a receiving tight end, you're not going to learn as much about the blocking aspect of it, but even those guys learn some of it. But if you're a true inline tight end, you also have to learn the blitz pickups, the run blocking, the nuances of blocking. There is a ton that goes into that. So you're learning, you're getting everything thrown at you. You're trying to put on more functional strength so you can hold up in the NFL against those players. You're trying to learn how to be a NFL caliber receiver. You're trying to learn how to become an NFL caliber blocker. And that is a ton to take in. And because of that, you're seeing these guys develop later. And you know when it starts to generally click for them around the time that they need to get a second contract. And that becomes very difficult for the first team, the team that drafted them, because they're saying, we just put a first round pick into this guy 
And yeah, we, we already paid him, you know, through those first four years and we developed him and maybe he's like showed some signs at the end, but like now we have to give him this huge contract. You know, I, I think we'll go in a different direction. And we see that all the time. So Mike Kosicki, who again, is not an all around tight end at this point, but like yeah, Dalton Schultz, the Cowboys, like you get to that point where they're just starting to develop and showing some signs. And now the team doesn't want to pay them because they didn't see the ROI on that first contract. And a lot of times the second team gets them. And that's when you start to see some of these breakouts is when they get to their second team or when they get to year five, year six, et cetera. So that is part of the issue as well is the learning curve is so incredibly steep. And by the time you get to that time to give them a second contract, you're just not sure yet if it's worth it to actually give them that contract, which becomes a problem. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meanwhile, let's look at 2022 at the tight end position. Just this past season, the most recent season, there were three tight ends only, three tight ends only who had an 80 plus grade by PFF. Only three, Mark Andrews, barely with an 80.7, George Kittle with an 84.7, and Travis Kelsey with a 91.3. Meaning, Regardless of where these guys were drafted, it is just extremely difficult to find high-end players. And again, I will reiterate this one more time. When you are drafting in the first round, you should be looking for huge ROI. You should be looking for extremely high-end players who are not only going to be a big-time player, but are going to potentially be a franchise-altering player for you. And note, once again, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, none of them were first-round picks. And again, no matter where it is, it's just very difficult to find them. And all three of them, again, were found on later stages of the draft. The next best tight end was Dallas Goddard at 78.2, also not a first round tight end. And again, like if, if you're just playing the percentages here, or if you're going to take a, a tight end at pick 15, for example, like in order to like really pay that pick off, they, you're probably hoping that they can be a player that grades consistently in the 80s or better. There were only three of those in the entire NFL last year. If not, you like, 
you have a good player. Let's just even take like a Dallas Goddard. All right, that's, that's a great example. If like, let's say you go out and you draft the next Dallas Goddard. That's a nice pick. Like you, you, you're probably saying, I, I'm not going to be upset about that. If you could say right now that Green Bay drafts Dalton Kincaid and he becomes the next Dallas Goddard. Like, okay, that's not, that's not so bad. They, heck, they've had Justin Harrells and they've had far worse draft picks than the next, uh, you know, the next Dallas Goddard. But how much, just really think about this for a second. I know Philly's done really well in recent seasons, and I know they won a Super Bowl, uh, you know, not too long ago. I believe Goddard was on that team as behind Ertz, if if memory serves. I could I could be a year off there, but in this past season, he was their number one tight end in a Super Bowl run, even though they didn't win it. That's an important position. Where where on Philly's like charts on either of those seasons does Dallas Goddard come into play? Because I would put almost all of their edge rushers. I would put Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Darius Slay. Um, I think the linebackers are at least in the conversation. You know, you've got a variety of defense, like a Fletcher Cox, probably more important. You've got Lane Johnson. You've got Jordan Maliata. You've got um, Jason Kelsey. You've got Jalen Hurts. Like you've got Devontae Smith, AJ Brown. Like you probably, as as far as importance for like who's most important on that team, like you might be like 15, 16 players down on Philly's roster before you get to how important Dallas Goddard was to that team. So like nice player, but he's like, you're, nobody is making the argument of like, man, Dallas Goddard was the guy that really got Philly going. Like he was, he was the one that put them over the, like, that's the guy that opposing teams were worried about. Like you just can't stop Dallas Goddard. He's a really nice player. Like I said, you might not even be that upset if Dallas Goddard is, uh, you know, if you get a Dallas Goddard-esque player at pick 15. But I just want to be clear, like he, how hard is it? How hard is it for Green Bay? You got, you got, you hit on a Rashawn Gary and a Jair Alexander in the, in that range of the draft, right? Pick 12, pick 18 for Jair, if memory serves. Like you hit on those players. Those are high end premium players at premium positions. And those two combined couldn't get Green Bay's defense over the top to be a top 10 defense. And you hit huge home runs with those two picks. Are you going to say that like, if you get a good tight end, that that's going to be the thing that turns around your offense or makes your offense that much better, that that's just going to make you an unstoppable team? It is very hard to be a player and find and find a player at any position, certainly. But like, if if you're searching for a player at that stage of the draft, you are hoping that this player is going to potentially be a generational player, is potentially going to be a Hall of Fame caliber player, at least an All Pro or Pro Bowl caliber player. You are hoping that this is going to be somebody that's going to change your franchise. There's no guarantee that it will. No matter what position you pick, no matter what player you pick, no matter like none of it, right? It's all some sort of crapshoot, lottery ticket, whatever you want to call it. There is certainly some skill that goes into scouting, but there is a lot of luck. There's a lot of projection. And if you just watch the history of the draft, you will know that it's there's no exact science to this. But what you're hoping is that the ROI has the potential to be extremely high when you're picking at that point in the draft. And there is a limit, especially at the tight end position, as to just how big of a player that you can get when you're selecting at that spot. And recent history would show for example, the last 24 first round tight ends that you're probably, you might get some good players, 
but very few of those, if any, uh, if any of the last 24 tight ends were actually franchise altering, Super Bowl altering picks. Some of those guys won Super Bowls, Ben Watson, Daniel Graham, I think Shockey won one or two, but like those, none of those guys were the guy. Dallas Clark won one. None of those guys were the guy. None of those guys were like, that's the reason you want a Super Bowl. And that's what you're searching for when you're picking at this level of the draft. And it just shows as of recently, again, your Mark Andrews, your George Kittle, your Travis Kelsey, if you can find those guys, that's good. That's a good thing to have. Drafting good players is good, but it's really difficult to find those players at that position, at that spot, in the NFL draft. It just history has shown that. And I want to add on to this by talking about two of the more recent first round picks, specifically Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson. Both of them, in my opinion, were two of the best tight ends that I had ever seen come out of college, meaning from a scouting standpoint. I'm not saying either of them, like especially Hawkinson, it's not like he was putting up, you know, 2,000 yards a season or anything crazy, but like they were both phenomenal prospects. Hawkinson had everything. He could block, he could catch, came out of Iowa, which has been tight end you. Like he he showed everything on tape that you could possibly want a tight end to show. And he's been good. He's been fine. Detroit traded him away for pennies on the dollar. What was the equivalent of a third round pick? And like, because he's been a fine tight end. And Minnesota, I'm sure is fine with the trade that they did, but certainly did not put Minnesota over the top this past season. He's a good player. There's like, I, I like TJ Hawkinson. Like you could argue that Green Bay should have maybe tried to do that same deal. Maybe Detroit wouldn't have sent him to Green Bay, although they sent him to Minnesota. So I would think that they would have, but like, I don't like if, if that's the best you're getting out of one of the best tight end scouting tapes that you could possibly see is like a, what you're going to get a third round pick in return. And he's a fine tight end and Kyle Pitts, like the, the the jury is still out. He, he's had some really good seasons already. Like his rookie season was really good and he's already had a Pro Bowl selection and he's had really bad quarterbacks. They haven't used him right. There's a lot going on there. I think Kyle Pitts is probably, has a really good chance to be a really good tight end. But even even Daniel Jeremiah and, and Bucky Brooks on Move the Sticks said something very similar that they were talking, I think to like an, a league executive or some, someone who's like, man, if Hawkinson and Pitts aren't like completely changing the way that your offense is working. If they're not like complete game changers, like what are we doing drafting tight ends in the first round? And it's just, it's true. Like if that, if that's the, if those are the best guys that you're finding on tape over the last decade plus is Hawkinson and Pitts and Hawkinson has been okay, fine, good. And Pitts is like, even though I think all of those things are true, hasn't, um, you know, has, had been banged up, not in the right offense, not with the right quarterback, and he's still been pretty good, I still would argue that he hasn't lived up to the number four overall pick in the draft. And that's, that's a hard thing for anyone to do, but I would certainly still argue that. And if those guys can't, then like, what, what are we doing taking early tight ends? And I agree with that assessment. And I'll add on to that by saying, if you look at the NFL right now, if you look at the NFL right now in the current state of the tight end position, what tight ends right now in the NFL would you trade the 15th pick for? I think there's five names that could potentially come to mind. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, and Kyle Pitts. I think those are the five names. And if you're saying TJ Hawkinson, he literally just went for a third round pick a season ago, like the equivalent of a third round pick. It was two pick swaps. That was the equivalent of a third round pick. So you can't put it, you just logically, you can't put him in the conversation because he just got traded for far less. So then there's five names. 
Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Goddard, and Pitts. Let's just say you would trade the number 15 pick for all five of them. I don't think that's smart, and I'll get on to why in just a moment. But let's say you would. Even if those are the only five, like even if at best case you would do all of those five, I don't think there's anyone else that you could possibly make an argument for that you would trade the number 15 pick for at the tight end position. Even if that's the case, if those are the five most valuable tight ends, if you're taking a guy right now at pick 15, you're, you better be sure that he is the sixth best value, your most valued tight end in the league. It's as simple as that because there's nobody else you would trade pick 15 for. If those are the five guys that you would, then this has to be the sixth most valuable tight end in the league right now. That is a tough sell. And maybe you get it right. Maybe he's better. But like even more so, like I, here's the thing, Travis Kelsey with his age and his contract, I think you can make an argument. Some teams would be smart to trade a first for Travis Kelsey if they're ready to compete for a Super Bowl. Green Bay is not. With his contract and his age, it would not be a smart deal for Green Bay. George Kittle is 30 and has a high-end contract. You could make an argument. Maybe it's worth it. I would say probably with being over 30 and where his contract's at, he's had some injury issues as of late. I probably wouldn't trade pick 15 with where Green Bay is at right now. Other teams, it would make sense for. So I want to be clear. Some teams, Kelsey and Kittle, I think trading a first could be smart business for. I do not think Green Bay is one of those teams. Mark Andrews, he's 28. He's got three years, 30 million left on his deal. That's like, that's not bad. I get him for three years. He's still probably going to be pretty good, but 28, you're getting into the 29, 30 year ages. Like there's a lot of wear and tear on tight ends bodies. 10 mil a year, not bad. I think you could make an argument for that. Probably wouldn't do it, but I could understand if you wanted to. Dallas Goddard, 28 years old, three years, 36 million left after a trade on his deal. Again, you're getting a okay player, but again, he's 28, 12 mil per year. You're not getting him on a rookie deal. I would not do that. And then Kyle Pitts, you could make a strong argument for. I think in the right offense with the right quarterback, he's 23 years old. He's already made a Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. He's had a thousand yard season already. He's got two years, nine million left on his deal after a trade. He'd have a fifth year option that you would have the ability to pick up. That is probably the one that even for Green Bay, you can make a strong argument. That's the guy that he would, that you would. So I don't think I would do an Andrews. I don't think I would do a Goddard. Andrews certainly in the conversation, but like, all right, let's just say you're a team that's willing to trade for Kelsey, Kittle, maybe Pitts, maybe Andrews. Like again, you're maybe there's two, three, four guys, but then your guy that you take at 15 has to immediately fill that next spot. That That's what you're valuing him at. And that is, again, a tough pill to swallow, especially when we've seen the recent history of tight end picks. It hasn't worked out very well. The other thing I will say, and this is one thing I haven't gone over before, but the player picked at pick 15 will get a four-year, $17 million deal with a fifth-year option. All right, so you're averaging about 4.5-ish or 4.25, somewhere around there, um, mil per season for this player at tight end. It's worth noting that Mike Gesicki, who is far from a perfect tight end. I get that. He's a receiving tight end only, and he hasn't even been perfect in that role. But Mike Isicki, who I think some people, you know, certainly going into this offseason would have been pretty darn excited if Green Bay would have gotten in on that conversation and signed a Mike Isicki. He signed for one year, 4.5 mil. Like even, even like one of your top free agents, like look at some of the other ones. Dalton Schultz was one year, 6 million. Josh Oliver was the next at, or like the highest, basically. Oh, sorry, Oliver and Hayden Hurst. Oliver was three years, 21 million. Hayden Hurst was three years, 21.7 mil. For 
around, and it's it's not like this was like the greatest tight end free agent class ever, but like for around seven mil a season, or maybe even 4.5 with Mike Kosicki, like you can get a pretty good tight end. And let's just take Dalton Schultz. I want to take Dalton Schultz as an example here. For one year, 6 million, you can get a Dalton Schultz and you could use some void years. So it's less this upcoming season. So let me ask you this. Would you rather take a flyer on a Dalton Schultz or a Mike Kosicki for one year? And if I had to bet, if you took the top five tight ends in this draft, my guess is the average if of those careers averaged out through the next 10 years would be about you know, what Dalton Schultz is going to give you. That would be my guess. So would you rather do a one-year $6 million deal for Dalton Schultz and have a pick 15 in the draft to spend at another position? Or would you rather spend a first-round pick, pick 15 overall, on a Dalton Kincaid, a Darnell Washington, a whoever, put whatever, Luke Musgrave, et cetera, who maybe ends up being Dalton Schultz? Take the contract for Gesicki or Schultz, play them now, go out and pick a premium position in the first round, and then take tight end later and develop that player and hope that you hit the next guy at some other point in the draft that you're not spending a premium draft pick for, which has been more the formula for success as we have seen. The other thing here is if we're looking at potential contract value, again, for example, Hayden Hurst was your highest paid free agent tight end. You could put Evan Ingram on the franchise tag on there if you want, but even still, Derek Carr at quarterback, not even a good quarterback, 37.5 mil average per season. Javon Hargrave, 21 mil per season. Jawan Taylor, 20 mil per season. Tremaine Edmonds, not even a premium position, 18 mil per season. Mike McGlinchey, 17.5 mil per season. Draymond Jones, 17.1 million per season in free agency. The point being is that you take premium positions at this point in the draft because it is really hard to find a good quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, um, defensive lineman, edge rusher, corner, those guys are extremely hard to find in free agency. And if you do need to find a really good one, you're paying 20 mil or more per season. If you need a tight end, you could go get a Mike Kosicki for one year's 4.5 million. You could go get a Dalton Schultz for one year, 6 million. Those guys are out there. You could get a Hayden Hurst, who I'm less excited about, but three years, 21.7 million. You can find a serviceable tight end in free agency to fill a spot and go out and get a premium pick with your actual draft pick. That is potentially going to pay far more dividends because the value for those players is far higher. The ROI is far higher for premium position players than it is for a player like tight end. The other thing here is that tight end is allegedly and supposedly, and what I see as one of the deepest positions in this draft. So why are you spending a first round pick on a tight end when it's one of the deepest positions in the draft? And again, the ROI, the value, the history, all of it has not been there with drafting a first round tight end. You can make that argument as well. And I'll I'll sort of end with this. It should be noted that Green Bay values age, premium position, and athleticism in the first round of the draft. Really, the only age one that they've gone out of their thresholds with with Brian Gutekunst has been um, uh, Devontae Wyatt this past season. They've stuck with their athletic thresholds in the first round with every pick, and they've gone um, premium position with every pick except for Quay Walker this past year. So the odds that they take, especially one of the overage tight ends, like a Musgrave or a Hayden Hurst, or excuse me, a, a Dalton Kincaid, is very, very slim. 
uh, the odds that they take a non-premium position is probably very slim. And odds that they take a non-extreme athlete like a Michael Mayer is probably very slim. Now, there is one tight end that if they did go in that direction, that does fit what I think that they ultimately would be looking for here. SEC school, which we know they value. Georgia, which we know they very much value. Non-premium position, which is still tough, but fits their mold, fits with the scheme, fits the athleticism, um, fits the age. That's Darnell Washington. And I will say this, Cheesehead TV draft guide, Paul Noonan, uh, Noonan put out a really nice article on how to find pre, you know, really good tight ends. I highly recommend checking it out. I won't give away the results there, but you'll want to check that out for a, a, a couple of good reasons as to why Darnell Washington might be the name that if they are going to hit on somebody, that could be worth taking a flyer on. I'll, I'll close with this, just kind of recapping everything that we went over. Green Bay desperately needs a tight end. I totally get that. And I genuinely really like the top tight ends in this draft. And I'm incredibly intrigued to see where they ultimately go. This is not a super strong draft. So if there is a time that you maybe need to go outside of a premium position player, just because the guys aren't there that you wanted, then maybe this is ultimately the draft to do so. When you have to marry the potential need of tight end with not a great draft, with some of the best players potentially in this draft being tight ends, you might need to go a little bit outside of the circle or outside of your preferences to take just a good player. That might ultimately end up being the case. I don't think it's going to be based on what Green Bay usually likes to do, but that could be the case in a little bit of a weaker draft. If that is the case, I would very, very much expect Green Bay to trade down and get a later first round pick and then select their tight end rather than taking them at pick 15. But all the things we said, developing tight ends is incredibly hard. By the time they get good, they're a free agent. The really, really great tight ends are extremely rare. And over recent history, they have not been selected in the first round. The best um, ROI is not at tight end. It's at premium position players. The last 24 tight ends selected, the ROI has been minimal on those players. Only two all pro seasons combined on those 24. You can get a Dalton Schultz or a Mike Kosicki for a cheap contract, fill in that tight end spot. You could have, can't anymore, obviously, but usually you can get a nice tight end in free agency at a decent price. Whereas if you need other premium position players, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So you better be trying to get those premium position players when you have the ability to take them at pick 15. It's one of the deepest positions in the draft. So why are you over you know, aggressive at the top of the first round at pick 15? And if there is one tight end that I think Green Bay could be interested in, I think it's Darnell Washington, but I do not expect them to go in that direction. And if they do, if they ultimately, if you told me they took a tight end round one, would very much expect them to trade down in round one rather than take them at pick 15. I like the tight ends in this draft. They're really fun. They're really exciting. And um, like I said, if ultimately Green Bay ends up with one of them, especially by trading down, I'm not going to be upset because I think they're good players but I don't think it's the best philosophy to do. And I don't think it's the best way to use a premium selection, especially when you have a top 15 pick in the draft. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's a little bit of a nerdy deep dive at a position that's not super sexy, but I think it's important given the state of this draft and the top tight ends in this draft and the need at tight end that Green Bay has in this draft. Thanks so much for joining me. I will be right back here tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.